Welcome to Escape Routes with Condé Nast Traveller. My name is Melinda Stevens, the Editor-in-Chief of Condé Nast Traveller US and Condé Nast Traveller UK, and it is my pleasure to introduce you to our podcast series. Travel is all about storytelling, a story of a place, of its people, of a journey, and at Condé Nast Traveller we've always celebrated the most transportative, evocative travel writing. With much of the world currently grounded, we've come together to take you to some of our favourite places, if only in your imagination, by listening to our most loved travel stories read aloud by the writers who penned them. We hope these short escape routes allow you to daydream of far-flung adventures, discover the world's curious corners or recast familiar destinations in a fresh light, and that you love these travel stories as much as I do. Hi, my name is Chloe Satchdave. Welcome to Condé Nast Traveller's Escape Routes. I will be reading my piece on meeting the female farmers changing the face of Australian agriculture, which featured in the Condé Nast Traveller December 2020 issue of Condé Nast Traveller. I hope you enjoy it. Australia's vast heartland is one of the last truly wild areas on earth, running from the Kimberley across to far north Queensland, from the top end down to the Flinders Ranges, encompassing 70% of the country, an area roughly half the size of Europe, but home to fewer than 800,000 people. There is a deep and ancient Aboriginal connection to these parts, But more recent mythology has been centred around the romanticised fables of rugged men, Ned Kelly bushranging across frontier Victoria, the man from Snowy River in pursuit of a cult that had joined a herd of brumbies, Crocodile Dundee killing snakes with his bare hands. There have, of course, been hardy women, but they've always been hidden in the landscape. Astonishingly, It was only in 1994 that females in Australia won the right to be named as a farmer or stock person. And since then, fresh generations of young women have plowed out their place in this red-brown earth, which today is having to adapt to survive new threats. Now a field guide at Archibald, South Australia, Melissa Robertson swapped busy Melbourne for the solitude of the outback after travelling to the glowing flame-coloured Kimberley She fell for another world in life, meeting phenomenal people who she made honest connections with, something she had lost living in the city. After a few years on various cattle stations, Robertson moved into a full-time conservation role at Akaba, a former sheep station turned homestead on a 60,000-acre wildlife conservancy, a a four-and-a-half-hour drive inland from Adelaide. Her long days are now spent trekking and heading up immersive safaris and teaching wide-eyed visitors about the Dr. Seuss-like critters that inhabit the region, from the mousy, fat-tailed Dunnart to spotty-backed western quolls. Over in the Northern Territory, in the East Kimberley, 
Grace Mitchelson left her job as a female station hand, also known as a Jillaroo, to become an outback guide at Bolo River Station, an impressive 500,000-acre cattle ranch with a guest lodge designed by Australia's most notable interior stylist, Sibylla Court. The bush is in her blood, she says. Having grown up on a farm in Tasmania before working at stations in Queensland and the Northern Territory, what I love about my role as a guide out here is that not a lot of people get to experience the authentic outback, and I love being able to share it, Mitchelson says. When not leading tours, Mitchelson is in the yards mucking in with everything, from repairing fences to processing and mustering the 4,000 or so beefy Brahmin cattle managed across half a million acres. It's a bit of a power roll. You're strong and you can do everything the guys do, she says. The siren call of station life can also be heard in far north Queensland at Mount Mulligan Lodge, another working cattle ranch which recently added eight luxury guest bedrooms. Here, Jodie Westbrook, who spent her childhood on a farm, has slotted right into her role as manager. For me, living in the middle of nowhere and being able to focus on what I'm doing without any distractions is what I enjoy, she says about her life of solitude. It's not only in its attitude to women working the land that the outback is shifting. Climate change is upsetting its delicate balance, putting it under growing threat from wildfires, floods and drought. The mindset these days is very much geared towards local, sustainable and regenerative practices. And showing people the new ways of the bush is really special, says Westbrook. There have always been female farmhands. They were just made invisible by government policy. But things are changing, says Dr. Tori Simone, whose Koa heritage and years of experience on one million acre Baraji station in Western Australia led to her PhD thesis about the part Aboriginal women have played in the country's pastoral industry since the 1860s. Today, Darylyn Gordon is one of those trailblazers. She was raised on Nanjarui Aboriginal corporation-run Lambu Station in the heart of the Kimberley. As the only woman operating on the ranch, trained by her father, grandfather, uncles and brothers, she insists that no one sees her as someone who can't do the job. I love station life. It is where I've learnt my skills and it has made me who I am, says Gordon. Having won the Western Australian Rural Women's Award in 2018, she now runs a three-month training program to teach those skills to the local community. And there are plenty of other women who are making their mark in Australian agriculture, piloting helicopters to help rally livestock, or saddling up as a ringer at first light. A case in point is Camille Camp, head stockwoman at her family's Kalyida station in the Kimberley. She captures her dusty day-to-day on social media, mustering and galloping on horseback, wearing unapologetic bright pink work shirts. In charge of 300,000 acres, 10,000 cattle, and a team of eight men, Camp doesn't feel the need to be one of the blokes, she says, because on the modern day frontier, It's not daring tales and brute strength that are needed, but determination and innovation.
The camp is up before sunrise, drinking black coffee and waiting for first light, which cues the start of work before the 45 degree plus heat sets in. Usually on horseback, 12 hours a day, a camelback hydration pack slung over shoulders, Jillaroo's sport a uniform of worn-in R.M. Williams boots, Ringer's Western work shirts, wide brim hats and boot-cut jeans. The hard yakka includes processing cattle, building temporary yards and driving land cruisers with camping swags in the back, just in case. Always on the go, they only stop for lunch, a no-nonsense sandwich. The day closes with an ice-cold stubby of beer and a hearty dinner before lights out at 8pm in a simple, demountable donga. Days off are spent exploring new bush territory, swimming in isolated waterholes, and taking part in rodeo. Spy them in town every few weeks to make the most of Wi-Fi and phone service. After all, the real outback begins when the signal ends. cities to charming towns, beautiful beaches and its famous outback, Australia offers the ultimate escape. As well as one of the world's best food and wine scenes, it is also home to the oldest living culture on earth. Every part of Australia is Aboriginal country, each with its own unique stories and experiences. For details of how you can plan a trip to any of the locations mentioned in this story, visit australia.com. We hope you enjoyed our Escape Routes podcast. Please remember to like and subscribe to help boost us in the charts and ensure you are the first to hear about new episodes.